Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Evolvepreneur Secret Show for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Brian Silverthorne. And my mission is to always help entrepreneurs make a difference with their businesses and to help them challenge the help them deal with the sometimes challenging worlds of startup growth and relaunch. So today we're going to dig deep with our guest and get some best concepts and strategies to fast track your business. And today our special guest is Maddie Osman. And Maddie is a digital native with a decade-long devotion to creating engaging, accessible, and relevant content, which is all good stuff to me. I'm anxious to hear about it. Welcome to the show, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me today. Pardon me for uh, stepping on my tongue there during the introduction, but uh, that, <laughs> that happens. The best of us. That happens, yeah. <laughs> so why don't you start off by, uh, you, you've been doing this for a few years, so give us your background, what brings you to what you're doing today, and uh, what your current focus is. Sure, yeah. So I think for me, the content focus really happened in college. I worked for a student-run marketing and design department for my university, the University of Iowa, and um, my boss, I, I was actually originally there as a web designer, but I think my boss recognized in me like a, a very chatty personality, a little bit different than the standard web designer developer. And so he gave me the opportunity to um, contribute to some of like our social accounts, to the student life blog. And I graduated, I got a sales job, and then I got another sales job. And really both times I was just hoping for a foot in the door. Um, I thought that if I could prove myself that way, that I could convince somebody to hire me to do marketing stuff within the companies that I worked for. But it just wasn't really happening as fast as I wanted it to. So I tested a lifestyle blog kind of on the side of my jobs. And I was freelancing and I was kind of building up all these different skills in hopes that, you know, someone would take a chance on me. And eventually I decided to take a chance on myself. And I got, uh, I had one big client that helped me um, kind of make sure that I was covering the basics of like my rent and like important things that I'd have to pay for um, while also leaving some room for me to take on some additional clients, you know, to be able to like maybe afford that Netflix subscription as well. And, um, and so that was really the start of it. It was this one person who did take a chance on me and who gave me the opportunity to feel like I, I had the support I needed to quit my job. And then from there, it's really um, grown into something else, which is not just me as a freelancer or a freelance writer, a freelance content creator, but now I've since pivoted my business into that of an agency model where I have writers and editors and other administrative personnel working for me. Oh, okay, that's that's great. So, uh, it, uh, if you can get that one client to help you out, that's that's a great way to get started. But absolutely, uh, you can't get too dependent on one because absolutely you, not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know everything about about success in business, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur or it's a major corporation, is about growth. So. Right. Uh, do you have any particular uh, growth goals over the next, say, 12 months and, and, and what your plan might be to get there? Sure. Yeah. So right now, I think as far as where we're at with revenue, we're kind of at the like six hundred dollars to $700,000 a year mark. And this is not long after turning into an agency model. So my, my goal would be to hit 
a million dollars annual recurring revenue. To me, that just shows that we're continuing to refine our processes. We're continuing to grow. Um, you know, we can serve bigger clients at that point because we'll be able to scale up internally. So it's somewhat of an arbitrary number, but for me, it, it represents a big milestone in terms of turning this company that started as me as a freelance writer into something that's really much bigger than me. Okay, great. Well, you, you say recurring revenue. So just from the point of clarity, to me, that means something that comes in automatically based on something you've done to create that situation. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So for, for us in this model of doing services rather than a product, for example, for me, that means having retainer relationships with clients. And so the way that we work with clients typically is that they'll go into a retainer relationship. They're paying at the beginning of the month before work happens so that that kind of covers our cash flow. That helps us staff and resource accordingly. Um, and I, you know, ideally they stick with us for many months. Um, but, but at the blacksmith, we actually don't do any sort of lock-in contracts. I don't believe in that, especially after having some sales jobs and seeing just like how contracts don't necessarily work. They're not super enforceable, but the idea is that we're creating relationships that continue month over month. Okay, great. Yeah, that's, the key is getting good, strong relationships based on uh, what you're doing for the folks, exceeding their expectations, making them happy. So 100%. they have a tendency to hang on a lot longer. That's great. right. Being a good so, partner. So getting from where you are now to, to what you'd like to achieve, do you see any major roadblocks that you're going to have to deal with to, to get there? hundred percent. I mean, I think it comes down to having a really solid foundation and it's, it's easy to oversee everything when you have a smaller company, when you're more actively involved in the day to day. But the challenge I think that I'm dealing with right now is trying to take myself out of that so that I can focus on the growth, on branding, doing things like this, you know, showing up where other people are looking for help and, and becoming a resource for them. And so, um, ultimately not having oversight over everything it helps you to understand where the process breaks down for sure. And so, so I think that's what we're doing right now is really pressure testing every position, every point in the process and the content creation process that could break. And so before I feel really confident pitching bigger clients, pitching more clients, taking on more work, I have to make sure that we pass this pressure test. Yeah, to, to, to expand uh, beyond what you're capable of as an individual, you need to get, have to have a lot of good, talented, smart people around you. Absolutely. So uh, are you growing by uh, hiring employees or are, are you, do you have contract relationships or maybe both? It's a mix of both. So I started the company primarily with contractors, and I would say that's the majority of our team right now. It's it's contractors for things like writing, editing, designing. We have an account manager, product project manager, bookkeeper, things like that. A lot of these are either contract relationships or even relationships with other agencies that specialize in these things. Um, I did hire my first employee at the end of last year, and she's kind of like my second in command. So it's really because of hiring her that I can take myself out of the major day-to-day -day details 
And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't necessarily think that that was going to be the route that I was going to go, but the situation presented itself. I'm glad that I went with it and that it worked out the way it did. And so I think moving forward, the blacksmith, my company will definitely be considering more employees. In addition, I think contractors will always be a part of it, but I think after sort of testing it out and seeing it work that and and understanding all the details, right? And sort of like the legal side of things and the, you know, workers' compensation insurance and all all that good stuff. Now that I know it's easier to do into the future. Yeah, yeah. There's well, you know, a couple things there. You mentioned relationships a lot, which which you should because you need it. You need it with your clients. You need it with your employees. You need great relationships with your contractors. Everybody's kind of got to be working together as a cohesive unit here to make things happen. But right. when you do take people under roof, then you move into um, all of those HR considerations and oh, tax yeah. considerations. So you, you got to pay <laughs> attention to those. So you're you're reaching a point where you have some time to work on your business rather than working in your business, as they say. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what gets me excited to wake up every day and do this. I, it's not that I don't like doing the work within my business. It's just that things like taking client calls or answering questions that there's probably somebody else on the team can answer that it takes my energy and attention away from the bigger picture things. And so I like, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs are like this, I find that now that I have this team, I actually do my best, deepest work at night when nobody expects to expects a response from me. Um, it's it's really hard to get work during. Sorry, it's really hard to get work done during the day because it's just that my attention is going in so many different directions. But if I can work a little bit at night, a little bit on the weekends, and maybe take a couple more breaks during the day, that's kind of my ideal work style. Yeah, yeah, whatever works out with you. I've got um, a buddy and I partner in a in another company, and he's he's the burn the midnight oil kind of guy, and and I like to do my stuff early in the morning before the sun gets up. So to, to each their own. As yeah. long as long as you're wired, to, even though you're wired differently, you can figure out how to make it work. So it so it works. Um, so what what does your ideal client look like, and and at the moment, how do they find you? Sure. So I would say our ideal client is probably an enterprise business because they have the budget to really invest in content marketing. Um, I learned early on that smaller businesses, they may want to do it, um, but it's probably going to be most cost effective for them to really start on their own and doing it themselves or working internally on their own team with, um, you know, different subject matter experts who can contribute to, say, for example, their blog. Um, so usually it's an enterprise business. It's somebody who has at least a basic team on their end that works with content. So something like a content lead, a content manager on their end, because we need somebody that we can collaborate with in terms of deciding on topics. And then once our content is complete and ready for their review. Somebody who actually has time to review it instead of sitting in their inbox, collecting dust and never getting published. Um, beyond that, our ideal industry that we work with or, or our ideal vertical, it would be B2B technology brands. We work with a lot of WordPress web hosts. And although 
we don't necessarily work directly with small business owners. I would say the main audience we write for is small business owners. So when the pandemic kind of first happened, a lot of small business owners realized they needed to have an online presence. And a lot of them also realized they needed to have some sort of e-commerce component so that people could check out, do curbside delivery, leave at the door delivery, things like that. And um, so a lot of content we're writing is kind of how to or instructional, how to get your business online, how to understand these technical topics, even though you're probably not yourself a technical resource because you're busy running your business. So, so that's kind of the gist. In terms of how they find us, typically, I think most of our business comes from referrals, which is a good and bad thing. Um, but I think it's also a matter of showing up in the right places where these people hang out. And so one thing that's been really interesting recently is being a member of different sort of niche Slack communities. So Superpath is one for content marketers, um, top of the funnel, peak freelance, a lot of sort of jobs and, and client um, contacts are shared there. Um, for the purpose of, you know, finding the right writers for their content. So, so that's, that's kind of an interesting thing I've been exploring lately. Huh. That, that, that's very interesting to me because I've never heard of it before, but I, <laughs> I don't, I don't poke around in those areas. So, but it's amazing how many things that are out there. For that, sure. That can have, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Where your ideal client might be hanging out. So it's good to, it's good to try a lot of different things and see what sticks and, and not waste time on the things that aren't moving the needle, but just, but just trying them. Sure. Absolutely. So did I read in the preliminary uh, information you provided that you have a book? Yes, you did. That's uh that was my pandemic project. You could say. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so, so yeah, when the you, book, when you authored that book, um, did you intend to make it a legacy piece so you could pass your knowledge and experience off to other people now and in the future or as a lead generation piece? I'm going to say maybe a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I have to preface it by saying that I hate when books are very blatantly about lead generation where every chapter it's like, as a reminder, sign up for my email list. I'm probably going to pitch you on my course, you know, stuff like that. I've read a ton of books like that that actually have great content, but left maybe a bad taste in my mouth when I finished them. And so I wanted to tread that line very carefully in, in writing my book. And, and I'll say that the reason that I wrote it is because we have um, a style guide at the blogsmith that all of our writers and editors use. And I recognized that there was an opportunity to kind of expand on it give a little bit more context, share some examples of what to do versus what not to do, just kind of flesh it out and make it a little bit more of like a self-service document for lack of a better word. And so, so that's really why I wrote the book. I also wrote it because you may be familiar with like the elements of style, that quintessential writing resource that many writers have on their bookshelves. I definitely have it on mine. But The Elements of Style was written in 1918. And while many of the lessons are still very relevant, still totally useful, what it, what it lacks is this awareness of the internet, this global, multicultural place where we all gather, including today on this podcast. 
And, um, and so I thought that there was some more to say to kind of expand on that and create a useful sort of updated guide. Great. Sounded like an ambitious undertaking, but you had, <laughs> had some time to do it during the pandemic, right? Right. Yeah, it definitely helped to be sitting at my house doing nothing else and okay. having that as a, as a good distractor. Good. So did it make it to the bestseller status? It did, actually. Um, so it's probably worth noting that I've worked with some other authors on their launches before deciding exactly what I want to do with content. I did, you know, any odd freelance marketing job that kind of dropped on my plate. But it was really good to have the experience of working with a couple other authors who were using Amazon as a key piece of their launches. And so I kind of learned the ins and outs of what you need to do, how to prepare, how to mobilize your network to help you on launch day. And so it did, the book made it to the number one spot in the SEO category bestsellers list. Okay, well, good. So congratulations, you are now officially a best-selling author. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put that next to my name for the rest of my life. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Um, yeah, yeah, it's like I, I call myself sometimes with my tongue in my cheek, firmly planted a, a award-winning speaker because I spoke to a chamber of commerce once and they gave me a coffee pot, a coffee cup and a small trophy that for counts. whatever reason. So I figure I got an award. I'm an award-winning speaker, right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, why don't you... Uh, Tell our listeners how how they can get a hold of you again. What I know you notice you got a heavy presence on social media. Any <laughs> one of those working better for you than another? Sure. I I really like probably Twitter and LinkedIn the most. I have more or less abandoned Instagram because I guess for me it changes too much and I don't feel like I can spend the time necessary to like fully understand it. So yeah, Twitter is probably the best place to reach out to me after this interview. If you you know want to dig into anything we talked about, I'm at Maddie Osman. LinkedIn is also a pretty um, a pretty active presence for me. So I'm Madeline Osman there. I think I actually recently changed my name. So I have my like professional name, but then I got married and um, took on my husband's name. But I told him with this book launch, I'm like, don't, don't take it personally. I'm going to use my professional name because people actually know that one. And if I write a second book, then, then I'll use the other name. Um, but yeah, so besides that, the blogswith.com, you can check out our portfolio and what we do on the business end. And if you liked what we talked about today and you're working on content in some way for your brand, then, then check out my book, writing for humans and robots, the new rules of content style. Excellent. So do you have any uh, final thoughts for our listeners? Um, I think what I was setting out to do in the book and what I'm setting out to kind of share as I talk about the book with, with various um, outlets, what I want people to think about is the reader experience. It's about so much more than just the words on the page. It's how you format them. It's how you sort of art direct the images that appear alongside them. It's about, do you actually answer that person's question that they had when they came to that content? And so my, my challenge to those listening is to think about the reader experience as a whole. It's, it's about so much more than just the words. 
Great. That's uh, excellent invite, advice on uh, which to end. So that's a wrap on another great guest episode of the Evolvepreneur Secret Show for Entrepreneurs with Maddie Osmond. And just before you go, if you enjoyed this episode, please uh, give us a five-star review. And if you'd be so kind to maybe share it with a couple of other people to spread the word. If you want to make sure that you stay up with all the future episodes, go to evolvepreneursecrets.show. And if you're an entrepreneur, make that next great idea of yours start today.